2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
3: What well, a wonderful Wednesday afternoon. Happy Hump Day. Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 on your AM dial. Of course, online, Sports 1440. You can also catch the show live on Oilers Nation YouTube. When you get there, hit the subscribe button because uh, you'll have a chance to win some uh, prize. We'll give away a set of tickets on Friday's show. So stay tuned for all the subscribers. If you've subscribed, you're automatically in. It is that easy. Uh, We have a loaded show for you today. It's another edition of Who Is It Wednesday? We have had Kelly Buckberger. Dave Nedowin as our first two Who Is It Wednesday guests. So we give you some hints in hour number two, and then uh, they will join us in studio at uh, 3 o'clock sometimes, uh, maybe just uh, on StreamYard online as well, depending on where they're at. It won't always be people uh, residing in Edmonton, but uh, there'll be a few. Uh So today's guest is somebody who won a gold medal at the World Juniors, had an eight-year professional career, And scored a hat-trick for a Canadian NHL team. Those are our first few hints. If you think you know who it is, you can text us. Our Jiffy Lube inbox, 833-401-1440 is how you can get involved via the text line. You can always email us, Gregor at sports1440.ca or Connor Halley, or just Connor, excuse me. At sports1440.ca. Also on the show today, Buster Olney will join us. Jay's a big win last night. George Springer let it off with a solo shot to start the game. And Kikuchi, despite only sleeping 11 hours. Did you see that after the game? (laughs) I had to chuckle, man. I'm like, the guy's got kids and he sleeps from... 11 p.m. supposedly until 1 p.m. No, I'm not joking. You didn't hear that wrong. 13 hours. How many grown adults sleep 13 hours? Very few teenagers who need sleep as their brain's developing can crush out 13 hours. Like that. I'm sorry, but I'm questioning that. He must be one of the greatest sleepers of all time. But, like, who sleeps from 11 p.m. till? 1 p.m., man. Get involved. So are you telling me that's why you cramped up because you only had one day of two? Like, I just, it doesn't make sense. You sleep 11 hours. Wow, oh, geez, I didn't get 13 out of cramp. Like, baseball players. God, I love baseball. But oh, oh, oh. some of their injuries and some of the other things just make you think, hmm, Charmin. That's what I think of. I'm sorry. But that's what I think about. So I don't know, Connor. Like Connor, you love your sleep. Can you sleep thirteen hours consistently?
4: No, no. I mean, i I probably max out about eight and a half. That's I still strive for eight. If I can do that, I'm good to go. You know what? They they might be a little bit softer, but I look at those contracts, Gregor, and I advise any young kid, get into baseball.
3: Get oh, yeah, into well, baseball.
4: Of it's a good way to go, but but- I, I don't think <laughs> 13 hours sleep no, is the norm. That that seems like you're just setting no. yourself up for some tough days when you don't get that. Well, clearly, like, that you, is start cramp, you start
3: cramping up, cons. <laughs> you only get 11, like only 11 hours. My goodness. Gosh, if, if I get eight hours sleep, I'm pumped. Right now, it's brutal. I got to go to bed early because I can't wake. I can't sleep in past 530 right now. It's driving me up the wall like I hate it. Although I do get a lot accomplished in that hour and a half when no one else is up in the house, but I don't like it. There's just something I'd rather wake up at like 645, 5.30 regularly, 5.15. It's the worst, the absolute worst. So we'll talk to uh, Buster only about that. Uremchuk um, is by, of course, for his weekly uh, Wednesday hit. We'll talk about uh, orders training camp. They'll be on the ice tomorrow. Matthias Eckholm will not be on the ice, but order fans, don't worry. The bearded wonder spoke today and said if this was the regular season, he would push through and play. But it's the start of training camp. You've got a few weeks until the regular season starts. He's in good shape. He's a veteran. There, It's like he's got a little bit of tightness in his hip flexor. Maybe it's strained. So uh either way, they're just not going to push it. So uh, don't expect Ekoma uh, on the ice this weekend. There's no timetable on when he'll return, but I would think they'll just give him a you know, maybe a week off, who knows how long it is. He'll obviously be getting treatment and everything else, but he was not, I, I saw him walk, he's walking fine. I know that walking doesn't mean you, you don't have an injury, but he, uh, he really felt like it wasn't that serious. And the fact that he said if it's a regular season, he'd be playing, so there you go. And uh, that just means that uh, Phil Broberg will get a few more reps on the left side defense to start camp. Other than that, there wasn't any real big stories today out of camp. Uh, Jack Campbell, I get, hey, if you're a big believer in the power of the flow, he's, he's grown his hair out a little bit longer. Stuart Skinner's mustache, pretty much status quo. It's rather large. Uh, they spoke Evander Kane, says he feels good. Uh, the sensitivity in his wrist as far as coming back fully, right? The nerves and everything, he says he's got a little... St- Tingly, a little numb at times, but that's like that takes upwards of two years, he was told. So, uh, but as far as range of motion and everything else, he feels good. Of course, you remember last year he had that gruesome injury in Tampa Bay. Then when he came back, he played a few games, then he broke multiple ribs and was out again. So he's just uh, hoping to have a, a much better season health wise in Edmonton. Uh, also, today, uh, part one of a series, I talked about it yesterday on the show about the orders and their team defense and goaltending. Because, you know, there's lots of people that said, ah, oh, the order system, the system's the problem. And I was like, I don't think so. So I dug into to a lot of the numbers. I, I looked at the the top 20 teams, the, eight, the 16 that were in the playoffs and then the other four that were close, Calgary, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, teams that, like, missed the playoffs by one win. Like, Calgary, did you know I crunched up Calgary's numbers? Man, if you're a Flame fan... You should be pretty confident that your team can bounce back. First of all, they had 17 overtime losses. And they missed the playoffs by two points. Just win two of those and and you're probably in. And Jacob Markstrom. Like, look at Jacob Markstrom's numbers. They weren't very good. And the thing is, here's some stats on why I don't think the, the orders defensively are that bad. Courtesy of Clearsight Analytics. The uh, Oilers, when it came to high danger, five-on-five five chances against, guess where the orders ranked? In the West, third behind L.A. and Dallas. In the NHL, fourth. Only Carolina was better in the East than the orders. So those are expected goals against five-on-five. Five. Clearsight Analytics takes video. They track a lot of different things to come up with that number. I, and that number historically is a really good indicator of, of who makes the playoffs. And it's true. If you looked at uh, at all the playoff teams, they were there. Now, Buffalo, if you're a Sabres fan, you'll look at this number and say, Oof, that's where they have to improve. Five on five, they gave up a lot to the Buffalo Sabres. If they tighten up the like, I don't care who your goaltender is. When you're giving up that many chances, only Anaheim gave up more. It's hard. I don't care who your goalie is. It's difficult to win. So if the Sabres... And they missed the playoffs by one point. Actually, didn't they have a tiebreaker loss? I think they had 91 points. So yeah, But basically, we can say they missed by one point. They don't have to be top 10. Heck, if they're top 16, that's a massive improvement. But you look at the Calgary Flames. The Flames were eighth in the NHL in high danger chances against. They didn't give up a lot. And Jacob Markstrom... Was brutal with an 888. Let's just say Markstrom had just had a 901. Not not stellar, not terrible. That'd be 14 fewer goals. You don't think the Flames might have won some of those games that they lost in overtime? They would have won them in regulation? Even just three. Just say three. So don't even say 14 goals against. Just like pick five for Markstrom, and they're probably in. They had 93 points. That's why I think Calgary is going to be a playoff team this year. When you look at that number specifically, I just, I can't fathom Markstrom being as bad as he was. And I can't fathom Jack Campbell being as bad as he was. Because Jack Campbell, he had an 888 save percentage. Here's his numbers the previous five, four years. 928, 904, 921, 914. He had an average save percentage of 900 or 916. And that's over a four-year period, nine sixteen, and then he fell off a cliff in Edmonton at eight eighty-eight. New city, maybe put too much pressure on himself. Changed all his gear during the year. Honestly, I, I think one of the easy bets for me is that Jack Campbell rebounds and has a decent year. I'm not saying he's going to be nine sixteen again because you got to remember scoring's up now. So let's just say Jack Campbell's a nine oh five. If he's just a 905, 908, you know where that ranks him amongst goalies last year where offense was up? That would put him 16th to 20th. If he slots in there, you're doing cartwheels because Stuart Skinner was 14th. I I don't see any reason why Skinner has a massive falloff, but again, it's goaltending. I just outlined Jacob Markstrom. Jacob Markstrom went from a 920, say, percentage to an 880 or 888, right? That's a pretty big drop off. From one year to the next. And that's a good goalie. So I don't know where the goalie will be this year. It's, it's difficult to always project. There's a, you know, it's one of the hardest positions to accurately project across the league. There's a few guys that you can say, Hey, I think I'm confident with this guy Sorokin, Shosturkin, Vasilevsky, right? Probably put UC Saros in that category. Connor Hellebuck, for instance. So I would, uh, I would do it for sure. So we'll see where it uh, where it goes. But when I look at at the Oilers, a few reasons why I think, especially if, A, your players are more focused on wanting to be better defensively, but they actually didn't give up a lot last year, courtesy of ClearSight Analytics. Fourth best high danger chances against 5-on-5. Five five. That's pretty good. That's actually quite good. L.A. was the best, and L.A. had awful goaltending, too. So you think L.A. should still be pretty good. Hey, boys, I'd happily wake up at 5.15. I got the wake up at 3 a.m. going right now. It's not good, Jocelyn. Hey, Jocelyn, I get that. It's terrible. I had that for a bit, but I was able to at least now I stretch it out to 5.30. I've got a few little things that I try to do. Uh, you know, counting, just to relax, take your mind off things. But yeah, it becomes more of a mental battle. You're just like, are you joking right now? You can get frustrated. So there's been a few times I'll get on the Peloton, go do that. It's quiet. It's not going to make any noise. Can't really lift weights at four in the morning because, let's be honest here, I'm not the quietest weightlifter, right? Always try to strain something too much. Boom,
4: drop it. So can't really do that.
3: Peloton it's the witching hour,
4: Gregor. 3 a.m., that's the witching hour.
3: It is true. Yeah. But you know what? In summertime, like five thirty, the dog was loving it because we're out walking <laughs> around, and it's all sunny out. There's no
4: one else out there,
3: so the dog liked it. I could let him go in the big, the big dog park because there's like a. He's, she's a small little dog, and she's rather timid, so I don't put her in where the big dogs roam because she get rocked. But when the big dogs aren't out there, phew, it's like she's she's hit the jackpot. She's wheeling around all sorts of smells, sniffing all over the place. It's always great. Hey, Gregor, some 420 always helps. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Hey, maybe it does for you, but yeah, that's just not, that's not my, I don't have interest in that. So you won't, uh, uh, I'll look at other things, magnesium and some other stuff like that. That's, that yeah. Um, and you know what? It'll come and go. I, I got out of it for a while, but now it's back. So I'll have to figure it out. So I do find uh, when I get back to a more working out schedule, I do sleep a little bit better. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I have to uh, bump that up a little bit. I would think so. See how it goes. Also uh, on the uh, program today, uh, Ian Furness will join us. We continue our Pacific Division preview. We'll stop in Seattle and the Kraken. Can they get better goaltending? Because they did not have great goaltending either. Also speckled by Charlie Huddy. If you missed it today, Charlie Huddy, Doug Waite, are going to be the inductees to the Oilers Hall of Fame. It will happen on Thursday, October 26th, when they take on the New York Rangers. Pretty big moment for Huddy and Doug Waite. Charlie Huddy, of course, five time Stanley Cup champion uh, for the Edmonton Owners, was really good. I wouldn't say overshadowed because Paul Coffey was just elite, but Charlie Huddy was a really solid defender for a long time. Doug Waite, he uh, led the orders in scoring for seven out of eight years. The only year he didn't is when he got injured. And he had uh I think it was thirty seven points in forty three games, likely would have led them in scoring again that year. So Doug Waite, for Oiler fans of late nineties, early two thousands, and you kind of became an Oiler fan, that was your guy. Doug Waite was dynamic player. All right, like over that time, I think it was a top fifteen scorer in the NHL. He was consistently productive, he was competitive. He was very friendly in the community. I know lots of people talk about meeting Doug Wade out, and he was always nice. So there's lots of reasons him and his wife, Allison, did a lot in the community as well, which I think is important. So uh, kudos to both of them. That will be a very special day for them and their family and their teammates. All right, I'm always curious to see which teammates will come in for, for those type of events. So... Uh, I would expect Doug Wade, who was a captain, really popular player amongst his teammates. You'll probably see a few of them in town, especially because this year you've got the Hall of Fame game on the 26th and then the Outdoor Classic on the 29th. So you can make it kind of a five day event if you want for some players. Right? Usually you have something on the Wednesday beforehand, but then they'll have something that'll be kind of neat. to, you know, I'm sure Doug Wade, Connor McDavid, those type of guys, your leading scorers. There's always a connection there. So kudos to uh, to Doug Waite for uh, getting in uh, in the second year for the Hall of Fame for the Orders. Hey, guys, the Kings seem like a deep, deep team, and I hate it from the Burglar. I think they lost a lot, man. Like, look at what they gave up in that trade. I, they're they're deep down the middle, no question about it, right? Uh, obviously, Dubois with Kopitar and Dino, that's a really solid three-way center position. But... Their third line was really good against Edmonton, and you know you've got Fiala in their top six, Adrian Kempe, Victor Arvidsson, Trevor Moore, Trevor Moore, and Blake Lizotte. I guess solid third line guys right now. Quentin Byfield's the other one. Is this the year Quentin Byfield takes a step? Is it does? Yeah, the Kings could be uh, could be pretty good. Their back end solid, but I think they you know they're back end with Dowdy and Gavrikov and Anderson and and Matt uh, Roy. Then they got some young guys, right? And Brant Clark uh, not ready to start the season, it sounds like, uh, for the LA Kings. So we'll see where that goes. And then, of course, the big question for them is going to be in goal. And they were also part of that three-way deal. with They got a pick for Ivan Provorov. So they got $2 million dead cap space this year in Provorov and next season. Take a quick break. When we return, Buster Only. Well, join us on the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 224, Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you on a, a cloudy Wednesday. Happy hump day as you uh, get through the week. Uh, remember, for uh, Oiter fans, if you're interested, you can watch training camp on Saturday. The uh, I think the doors, well, it's, they're on ice from 10 till 1 a few sessions. And I think the doors open at 10 or 10.30. I'll double check on the opening time. But uh, if you want to plan, you can, of course, uh, bring the family, the kids. If you want to see some of the orders, they'll be in two different sessions. Uh, There will be They'll be on ice at 10. And then the scrimmage is at 11 o'clock. So that's probably maybe what you're most interested in wanting to watch. Uh, I can tell you some of the other drills at times aren't that riveting. However, for somebody who's never been there, it's probably pretty exciting. I always remember that for young kids. They just like to see the uh, players up front. Up close and personal, it's pretty cool. So that is happening this Saturday, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's the only time during the uh, training camp that it is open to the public, so you might want to take advantage of it. Well, you can. Let's get to the MLB report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling Home with no payments. No interest for one year on your furnace. Do not be cold this winter. Stay hot with Legacy Heating and and cooling. and uh, we're always happy to have him on. Heck, we could talk baseball, we could talk farming, of course. A uh, good friend of the show, one of the best analysts in the game from ESPN, Buster Only join us. Buster, welcome back to the show, man. How you doing?
5: I'm doing great, thanks. And, and we can talk hockey experience. I would, you know, you were talking about being up close and personal with players. I want to say it was about four years ago when I got, uh, went online knowing that I was going to make a trip down to Nashville and taking my 15-year-old son and uh, I got tickets uh, close to the, what I thought was close to the, the, pre- the bench of the Nashville pre- or the Predators. And it turned out it was right behind their bench. And it was incredible. And the players could not have been nicer. The coaching staff, one of their assistant coaches, gave my son a, a puck. Uh, you know, players are high-fiving him as they walked out. It was awesome. And so I wouldn't be at all be shocked if, uh, you know, that would be the experience of the folks there. Because my, you know, in the very few times that I've done anything with NHL, those, you know, those guys have been just tremendous.
3: Yeah, well, it's such a thrill for kids. You get a puck, but more so you get a high five. Yep. And that brief interaction, it's something that uh, lasts a lifetime. And so players who go out of their way to do that, it never gets old. It's, it's a very smart thing uh, to do. Uh, you know, getting hot at the right time uh, in, in MLB matters. Uh, Buster, And, you know, last week at this time, Jays fans like, oh, my goodness, they're blowing it. The season's <laughs> going to end. And then, you know, they get a sweep and then the Texas and Seattle get swept. And, you know, the Jays have another convincing win last night to, over the New York Yankees. When you you look at the at the remaining schedule and then you look at the teams, which one of Seattle, Texas and Toronto do you think ends up missing and why?
5: Well, and you could throw Houston in that mix. And I would say, because uh, I went down the same trajectory that you did, where they get blown out by the Rangers. You're like, that's it. Jays are done. They're, they're finished. And then they have a great weekend. And as we sit here today, we began the day the Jays were head of all the teams in the American League West, uh, which just makes no sense given what we saw last week. So I could sit here and try to pretend to make sense of it, but I'm not even going to bother because I just think that when you have, in the you know National League Wild card race or American League Wild Card race, you you basically have a battle of a lot of mediocre and inconsistent teams. A manager of one of the teams and I were texting the other day, and, and I said, you know, how are you holding up? And he said, I've never seen Jekyll and Hyde like this. And, and that's exact. I, I just it's amazing the swings with this. The Cubs have had it. The Diamondbacks have had it. The Jays have had it. And it's a lot of fun to watch. And I'm sure for the, you know, for the teams that's going to be left out, it'd be excruciating. I would say, uh, you know, among all the American League teams that are in this race, I mean, it would be a stunner for me if the Astros uh, somehow were, were the team left out uh, once we get into the postseason. But they're at risk of having that happen.
3: Yeah, they've really kind of stubbed their toe here lately. Um, when you look at, at the Blue Jays, like Vladdy Guerrero, he's not having an awful season, no. but he's just having a below his standards. And, you know, he had three home runs, consecutive games that then he went over five last night, but like, it's not okay. Maybe he's coming out of it. You know, I've I've seen people analyzing his swing and that, you know, maybe he's just a little bit of ahead of it and stuff. Like obviously the bar is high for a player like that, but like, do you, and guys you talk to, what do you see as maybe lacking this year for Vladdy?
5: They're perplexed by the inconsistency because he is viewed as you know one of the, the savants. You know, having been around the sport his whole life, clearly having an understanding of the pitching, um, he has been an absolute puzzle. Uh, and so, you know, I've asked that question of folks with the, the Yankees. Have asked it of the folks of folks with the Red Sox. You know, what are you seeing in him? I get a lot of shrugs. Like they think he should be better. Yeah. They think he should be more consistent. Um, and it just you know, maybe that's that's where you leave it. Like, you know, he's still a young player who is maybe in need of having, you know, the motor going at the at the same level every single day. The other day I saw him make a, you know, perplexing base running mistake. Yeah. I think there's some of that, not only with uh, with him, but also with that team. I know that their players on that team will feel like, boy, there there just needs to be a greater sense of accountability. And I think the Alec Manoa situation is a great example of that, where I, I understand what the Blue Jays are trying to do. they got a talented pitcher who was sent to the minor leagues. They believe in his talent. They probably don't want to be at odds with him. But, you know, just talking with folks with other organizations, they're like, if you send a player to the minor leagues, and he essentially refuses to go down and pitch. Like that's grounds for discipline. And if you don't do it, then the risk you run is sort of reinforcing this idea that the you know that the inmates are running the asylum a little bit, and that's not great for uh, an organization that probably does need a higher level of accountability.
3: Buster only joins us uh, breaking down uh, MLB. Of course, uh, arguably, Buster. We're on the cusp of the biggest free agent in MLB history in Shohei Ohtani. It doesn't look like, unless there's some miracle turnaround here, it doesn't look like he's re-signing in Anaheim. When you consider now, he had the surgery. He's on record as saying he's not going to pitch next year, right, which is kind of disappointing. He's going to DH. How much do you think that impacts his the money that he could earn in free agency and because he's only going to be a dh for one year do you see him signing a shorter term deal because he'd much rather be able to sign when he's the pitcher and the hitter
5: so i do think it's going to have an impact on some teams and what they bid on him because the risk is enormous uh you know they would essentially if you think about what aaron judge got last year you know he's a gold glove right fielder a uh, guy coming off one of the best seasons we've ever seen, and he got 360 million dollars. So maybe that's a, you know, and I base on conversations I've had with general managers. Maybe Judge's contract puts you in the range of what he would be paid for his work as a as a hitter. Well, then how do you put a number on what he would get as a pitcher? It's really difficult to do that because you just don't know. Is he going to have a setback from this elbow procedure? Uh, you know, will he break down again? You know, uh, Are there going to be some other issues that pop up at some point? Is it going to be better for him to be a reliever than a starter? And so I do think there's some teams, and the Dodgers come uh, top of mind for me because they're an organization that has done so well because they are essentially averse to risk. Uh, I could see some teams saying, no, we're, we're not going that far. But all it takes, as you know, is one yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, it may be, that Otani, for him, it doesn't really matter. I think he's made it clear in, in his actions that money is not the be-all, end-all for him. And so maybe he has it in mind that he does want to play for the Dodgers. And if the Dodgers you know, don't offer as much as, say, the the Angels or the Giants, and I'm just speculating here, you know, the Mariners, maybe he wants to go play for them. Maybe he wants to go play for the Mariners. I don't know. I had one GM say to me two months ago, look, if anybody uh, is predicting that they are saying that they know what Shohei Ohtani is thinking, they're full of crap. And I think that's right. I think we're going to find out in in free agency, and I think it's going to be resolved pretty quickly because he's going to get big offers from all over the place, and he's going to pick the place where he's most comfortable to stay in the next uh, eight to 10 years. And to your point about a short-term deal, I think what you can do is build an out clause for him in that contract that he's going to sign, say, after two years so if he comes back and he's a monster pitcher, right. he can go out and have another bite at the apple. Okay. Uh, test the market again and get paid. Uh, wh- you know what he deserves as a hitter and a pitcher.
3: Yeah, that, that makes sense, right? I could see. The, you know, the, the out in there gives him time to, to come back from pitching because he's, he's such a unique talent. And usually in sports and in life, you know, it's kind of a copycat. And people, there's been guys before, you know, we had some two-sport athletes, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, et cetera. There's not a lot of that. But when you look at what Shohei Otani's done, Buster, like it's really difficult to do. So I don't think you can just have guys magically do it. But do you think this will, in five, ten years, are we going to see more players capable of being this dominant of a, hit, a hitter and a pitcher, or is he just a massive unicorn?
5: So uh, I think that you can look at it in two ways. I think in some respects, all of the, the bumps in the road for Otani and the last three years have been so much fun to watch, but how many times have we heard about him being hurt? You know, he needed Tommy John surgery. He was out uh, complications within the angels uh, organization uh, about a six man rotation, et cetera, et cetera. My instinct is that a lot of the teams will look at the injuries. They'll look at, uh, you know, what an outlier he is as an athlete, and almost be discouraged from uh, considering going with two-way players. But let's face it, Otani is the you know the most watched player in baseball now. I think at the amateur level, he's going to inspire a lot of players who want to do that. And what was great about Otani when he came over here is that he had the leverage because he's such a uh, because he is such a unicorn to be able to tell the Angels, and he can do this with his next employer. Uh, look, I'm sorry, but uh, this is something that I want to do. And maybe more players will do that in four or five or five, you know, four or five, six years because they've been inspired by Otani.
3: Yeah, it's it's magical to see. Uh, no question about it. The Atlanta Braves. How much of a clear favorite are they in your
4: eyes?
5: Well, I think on paper, yeah. Um, you know, if you had to bet the family farm on a team, they're the team to bet on because their offense, top to bottom, is ridiculous. They've got excellent one, two, three in their rotation in Strider and Charlie Morton and Max Freed, but they also have vulnerabilities. There's no question about it with their bullpen. You know, the back end of their rotation um, in a short series, we saw last year when when they. You know, stormed past the Mets, won the National Yeast, 101 victories, and then they got knocked out in the playoffs immediately against the Phillies because their starting pitching was kind of fragmented. Um, so I, I think they're going to the playoffs as a clear favorite, but if you told me the Phillies beat would beat them, that wouldn't shock me. If you told me the Brewers, who've been pitching out of their minds for the last month and a half, were to beat them, that wouldn't shock me. It would surprise me a little bit with the Dodgers uh, because their pitching is so beaten up. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Astros uh, come through and wind up winning. And I'll tell you why. They remind me a lot of those Yankee teams, you know, I covered in, back in, uh, in 98 to 2001 where I feel like the regular seasons have gotten tiresome for this group of Astros players because they push the rock back up the hill year after year after year after year. I think once the postseason begins, just as it was with those Yankee teams, you're going to see a better brand of Astros baseball because of their postseason experience.
3: Buster, only our guest, uh, breaking down all things uh, Major League Baseball. Um, so it's fair to say, it, it, who knows who's going to make it or, or not make it in the uh, in the AL? What about uh, in the NL? You got the Cubbies in Miami, even Cincinnati, uh, Arizona. Do you, do you see anybody that you like better of the two out of those four to make it?
5: Well, I could go recency bias because we just saw the Diamondbacks on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, and they swept the Cubs. Uh, You know, they they played with a lot of energy in that series, and maybe it's not surprising because they're a young team, and maybe it's not surprising because last Friday, uh, Torrey Lavello, their manager, asked his former teammate, Dustin Pedroia, the Red Sox second baseman who's now retired, to go into the clubhouse and fire up his players who just had a bad series in New York, and Dustin got him going. And he was like, don't tell me you're tired. Like, it's the end of the year. you got two weeks to go. You're in a play- playoff race. This is fun. And don't tell me you're young. And, uh, and apparently, from talking with the Diamondbacks players, you, you really got their attention, and they seem to have responded. Um, I also think the Cubs, among the five teams we're talking about in the you know, behind the Phillies in the National Wild Card race, I do think the Cubs are the best team. Uh, their bullpen is on fumes. And they just lost Michael Former the other day back on the injured list. But those would be my two guesses as to who comes out of the National League.
3: Buster, always great to have you on the show. Enjoy the stretch run. And then in a few weeks, we're talking playoffs with a new format, Best of Threes. I love it. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. Thanks, man. That is Buster only from ESPN, one of the best uh, baseball insiders. Going, also a huge farm guy and big hockey fan. Every time we come on, he loves talking hockey. So it's great as well. And it is true. Those those small little interactions, players with kids. I tell players that all the time. Five seconds of your day will make such an impact for someone. Right? Smile at a kid. Throw them a puck. Just give him a high five. Acknowledge them. Oh, man! And those kids, they don't forget it. That's how a lot of people. That's how a lot of players become someone's favorite player. And it doesn't matter how good they are. They don't really care about it. They're just like, wow, he treated me really well. He's a good person. Super important. When we come back, Tyler your chuck, will uh, join us. We'll talk uh, orders training camp. We'll also hear uh, later on today, uh, home and Jack Campbell, some comments from uh, Jack Campbell that uh, we will get to and more on the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Wednesday afternoon.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host.
4: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Continues on. Nobody has got our guess yet. For
3: who is it? Wednesday, we uh, gave you uh, three hints uh, early on. In the show today, Uh, won a World Juniors Gold Medal. Uh, Had an eight year pro career. Scored a hat trick for uh, an NHL uh, franchise. Also uh, attended uh, Western University. Was part of the uh, Maple Leafs organization two different times. All right, so we've added a few more. See if you can guess. 833 401 1440. If you want to uh, try to figure out who it is for uh, Wednesday, they'll be uh, joining us at three o'clock today, which will be uh, which will be nice. Always look forward to, uh, well, I look forward to our guests all the time, but definitely look forward to our, our Wednesday one. Let's get to the uh, oil report now brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton. They are the number one dealership of all Volvos in Canada. Why? They got great vehicles. Yeah, they all do, but they have better service. It's the service that separates them apart. Trust me. Call Jordy or Mike, go in to see Volvo, and you won't regret it. BolvoWeddington.com as we uh, welcome in. Tyler, your rep chuck uh, to the program. Of course, uh, orders will officially be on the ice tomorrow. Uh, Matthias Eckholm uh, won't be there. He's got a little bit of tightness in, in his hip flexor. He says it's not to worry about. If it was regular season, he would uh, play through it, but it's a uh, preseason. Uh, well, I guess technically it's training camp and then preseason. So uh, there's no reason to uh, to rush it. But I, I will say, Tyler, and I wrote this and I said I, I hate to be right, but the Orders' f- top five defensemen missed a grand total of two games last year. You know that some little injuries are going to creep up at some point, And I think with Dayarna and Broberg, the, the Orders should be able to handle it
0: yeah i think that's kind of the nice part about having those seven reliable demon like they had last year you're right they got they got lucky last year no team goes through or very few teams go through the entire season with that kind of injury luck you can add on the fact that mcdavid and dry they like mcdavid played all 82 games last year that's a big big advantage that's never a guarantee but when it comes to the echo and gregs isn't there a chance that things like this are sometimes like a blessing in disguise like giving philip broberg a ton of minutes now in the preseason more responsibility like Maybe it's something that we look back on in two months and we're like, man, the preseason when all those added minutes were great for Broberg.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I don't see it as a negative at all, especially when Ekholm says, you know, if it's regular season, I'd play through it. So you know what? Mm. Uh, you give him a, a little bit of extra time to to figure out and you know, make sure that he's 100% healthy because obviously the regular season for this group is is what matters. And you know, I, I'm interested after listening to Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell today, you know, they come in... Very two different things. I think Stuart Skinner is now in his second season. He wants to prove that, hey, guess what? Last year, you know what? I don't want a sophomore jinx. Uh, I feel like I'm more comfortable as a goaltender. And Jack Campbell, of course, wants to bounce back. Because if you look at the last five years of his career, the first four, he had a 916 save percentage. Last year was 888. Last year was really a significant outlier for Campbell. And uh, he believes that he'll be able to get back to the level he was.
0: Do you? Yeah, I do. I have a series that's been going up over the last eight days at Oilers Nation, the 10 biggest storylines I'm watching heading into next year. And today's was actually about Jack Campbell and just how, I mean, the Oilers were two, three points away from winning the Western Conference in the regular season last year. And they had a goalie who played 36 games. And in the bulk of those games or in close to 50% of those games, he was giving up four or more goals, Gregor. Like in today's NHL, you're just, you're not winning a ton with goaltending like that. But I'm optimistic he can bounce back because, like you said, his career numbers, even with that poor season last year, is he not still like a 9-10 save percentage goalie? Like, Jack Campbell, in all honesty, should not be as bad as he was in in the early parts of the year. That really shouldn't happen again this year. If it does, I mean, it's a whole different conversation. It's a way bigger problem than it was 12 months ago, and maybe patience starts to run out. But I think Oilers fans should be very optimistic that Campbell's going to give them – Maybe not nine sixteen goaling, but goaltending. But like, what do you set the bar at? Nine oh five is that a good range?
3: If if he's nine oh five, that would put him in the top twenty. That would put him twentieth last season, right? Nine oh five now. There's more goals, right? Like, if if Jack Campbell's top twenty and save percentage, you'd be pretty happy, you know? Because Stuart Skinner was there last year too. So if they're both in it, guys who started thirty plus games, you'd be pretty happy.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, maybe there should be an expectation that not that Skinner's going to have a sophomore slump, but. It was a surprise. I know the all-star nod is weird because so many goalies get named to the all-star game and the way they do it with the four divisions. But maybe there should be a bit of an expectation as well, or maybe we should be tempering expectations on Stuart Skinner. Like, there's no guarantee he's an all-star caliber goalie again, right? Like, he might slide down 5, 10, say, percentage points.
3: Yeah, and and I think, and not not to discount anything he did, but if you look at the goaltending across the board in the Pacific Division – Right. Like he was in the right division to be the all star goaltender. I'll just say that. Right. Like there was lots of uh, Markstrom, Demko, Seattle had terrible goaltending. L.A. had terrible goaltending. San Jose, Anaheim. Like it was really him in Vegas. Right. And Thompson was hurt. And so they didn't have anybody. So it's good on Stuart Skinner. But, you know, if you looked at him overall, I don't I don't look at Stuart Skinner necessarily as an all star to say, wow, if he's not an all star this year, that means it's a bad year. I just look at Stuart Skinner if he comes close to the consistency he had, because I thought he was pretty consistent overall last year. If he's if he hovers around nine fourteen, nine twelve, whatever, give or take a few, I would think that's a really good season because as we've seen from established goalies, staying consistent year to year as a goalie is hard.
0: Yeah, I wrote a piece last year breaking Skinner's games into kind of eight to ten segments, eight to ten game segments throughout the year. And I think there was only one where you looked at it and went like, ooh, there was like a stretch where he wasn't good. And it was right after the All-Star break. He had just had a kid. Like, you kind of excuse a guy for that. So he was remarkably consistent last year, which made it all the more impressive. But the other side of it this year, I, I think if anyone's expecting Stuart Skinner to play 55 games, they, they should check themselves a little bit. Like you need to keep it balanced because he ran out of gas in the playoffs.
3: Hey, he did say today he wasn't fatigued, though. That's what he said today. And um, you know what? Uh, I think sometimes maybe it's the mental focus and what have you. But I, I agree with you on the amount of games played. The only way Stuart Skinner's playing that many games is if there's an injury to Jack Campbell and they got to play him more up to 55. Because I think ideally the right number would be anywhere between 41 to 48. I think that's ideally what they'd like it to stick around. Maybe they stretch it to 50. We'll see. Um, Sam Gagne, who was was expected to be one of the guys competing for those uh spots that are available on the fourth line or spot, I guess depends how you look at it. He won't be. He's gonna be in camp, but he's not gonna be taking part in any of the preseason. You know what, he's not gonna sign a contract, Uh, he'll go down to Bakersfield on his PTO a little bit later on and just kind of try to work things out. So that takes one person out of the competition. Is there, like, to me, it's Sutter. Like, that's the main guy I'm looking at. So I'll make it harder. If you take out Sutter, which of those other guys competing are you most intrigued to watch throughout uh, the preseason?
0: Yeah, like, Sutter's just such an unknown, right? Because he hasn't played in so long. And I know Holland had the lines saying, like, hey, if you can be your 28-year-old self, you're exactly what we need. And it's like, well... He's not gonna. He's not his 28-year-old self. He's 34-year-old Brandon Sutter. I'm really intrigued by Lane Peterson, though. I know in Vancouver, he didn't play a lot of center, but he's a big body, and I feel like, you know, we got a little, the fan base, I should say, got a little enamored with the PTOs of Sutter and Gagne, the vibes of Sam Gagne and all that. With Peterson, like, they gave him a two-year deal early in the summer. They clearly liked him enough to commit to him for a couple of years. I feel like maybe we're not talking about Lane Peterson enough as potentially being that guy. He brings some size, you know. The scoring isn't exactly at a level that's, you know, above average for a bottom six player, but he can probably get the job done. I think we're maybe overlooking Peterson.
3: Okay. Um, if I'm not taking Sutter, then to me it's Raphael Lavois. Uh, he was clearly their best player in the, in the minors last year. He bet on himself in the contract in the summertime, which I respect. I have no issue with the, the direction he went. He's like, Hey, I'm going to make the NHL this year. And maybe it's not in Edmonton. And he probably feels like someone would claim him on waivers. So, you know what? Uh, I look forward. I got it. Th- I, uh, well, he's definitely going to play either on Sunday at home or Monday in, uh, in Winnipeg. I don't expect McDavid or Drysett or those guys to play in that first game on Sunday. I think you'll save them for, you know, the last few home games of the preseason, similar to last year. I think McDavid played three total games in the preseason last year. And I think you'll probably see something similar. And that means those guys battling for those roles Tyler, are going to get a lot of action in the preseason.
0: Yeah. And actually, Kay, I wanted to float something your way. You mentioned Lavois as the guy. And, and I do think that's something that obviously works against Peterson and Sutter is like, you need to play so well that the organization's comfortable putting Raph Levon waivers, a guy they've invested a lot of time in. How big of a lock is Dylan Holloway to make this team? Like if, if Peterson or Sutter play really well and they go, okay, that's our four C that fills a clear need for us. And Raph Levois plays good. Do you maybe look at Holloway and go, yeah, what's 20 games in Bakersfield and wait till we run in injuries? Like, you won't lose him on waivers because he's waiver exempt. Hundred percent. maybe we aren't, again, overlooking that as a potential storyline. He did oh. not start
3: with the big club. No, I, we talked about that earlier this uh, this week on the show. Exactly, because I agree with you. I think it's, th- those are possibilities. You can't just say it's a lock that certain guys, I think he's got a really good chance. And I, I think Dylan Holloway would, he would probably have to, the closest example I'll think of was when Caleb Jones, Came up and he played 17 games at the end of one season and everyone's like, okay. And then he came into camp the next year and was absolutely overwhelmed. And he was one of the, he was like in the second round of cuts and he was very disappointing in his perform. Like Holloway, I think would have to be really bad. And I don't expect it to be, but I think he would have to for somehow really stub his toe not to be here on opening night. Just cause I think they like his size and uh, his strength. Uh, you know, at times I think he's just like every young player, he'll learn to, that less is more at times. I definitely keep his head up a little bit when certain guys are on the ice, mainly the Anaheim Ducks defenders this year. So, um, you know what? It's, it is interesting. And then obviously on the back end, you've got, uh, Broberg and you have Deharne. like can Nima Linen make that decision remotely difficult? Or do you think it's a, a foregone conclusion bar injury who the seven defensemen are? I
0: feel like it's a foregone conclusion. Like at this point, do you really want to be, it's what his four years since Philip Broberg was drafted and picked in the top 10 of his draft. Do you really want to be sending that guy down again for more in air quotes seasoning when what you just want to keep Marcus Niemalainen as your seven. I think there's more value in keeping Philip Broberg up with the big club. Would Niemalainen clear through waivers? Like probably right. Like quality players get through that waiver wire every year at this time because teams are just so jammed up. So I don't know. I'd be really surprised if Niemalainen makes it a conversation, but it would be a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah,
3: for sure. Ty, thanks for this, buddy. Have a good one. We will uh, see you down at the rink. Thanks, Riggs. That is uh, Tyler Ramtruck from Oilers Nation. That was the Oil Report brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton. When we come back, our big guest. And who is it Wednesday? Sean from Leffridge figured it out. He just got the answer and I'll tell you who it is. After Connor in a sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com.